What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Filato on Football here on the Big Blue View Radio Network. I am the host, Nicholas Filato, still in this dead time of the summer, but we're starting to ramp up. The Scott Fish Bowl has finally started in the beginning of July. That is a fantasy football industry league with, I think, over a thousand participants. So that just kicked off on July 5th. So we're going to be getting some more fantasy content coming to you on Big Blue View Radio. But today, on Falato One Football, I want to talk about an article that dropped on Big Blue View that I wrote, and it was an NFC East Dream Team article. There was an offensive and a defensive Dream Team, and I want to kind of go over on this podcast the offensive choices that I selected. So I constructed this team based on 2021. So it's not what players have done for me, it's what they potentially can do for me as they progress along their career so there's going to be some guys in here that are a little bit of a stretch and I also went with a team construct so I wasn't going to replicate a couple different skill sets so there are 15 players that are on this team so the head coach offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator for the defensive podcast can use different personnel packages I thought that was a pretty creative way although I did kind of squeak in a 16th which we'll go over a little bit for the offensive because I needed to get 13 personnel in there because Jason Garrett loves him some 13 personnel and if he were to be calling the plays you know you need 13 personnel so let's dive into this real quick for the quarterback I think this was the easiest choice sad to say but it is Dak Prescott, the Dallas Cowboys starting quarterback. I mean, the guy was on pace for just under 6,000 yards last year. And a lot of that was because the Cowboys defense was horrendous. And they were in catch-up mode for those first four games until Dak Prescott got hurt in week five by the New York Giants. But he was just on an unprecedented type of statistical season because of the team itself, just a terrible defense under Mike Nolan, ends up getting injured. But we've seen such progression from Dak Prescott in his young career. His accuracy has significantly improved. His velocity, his ability to generate a lot of power from his base through his hips and then use that torque to drive the football into tight windows. All those things have improved, and his mind has really improved as well. He's really, really quick through his progressions, really, really quick through his reads. I think it was an easy choice, even though he's coming off of that devastating injury. As much as I would love to select Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones has not put together a consistent season quite yet. I think, you know, he's only heading into year three. I think it's within the realm of possibility that he does. He cleaned up his turnovers a little bit last year, and now he actually has a lot of skilled position players around him. I mean, Dak Prescott has never really hurt in that area because he had a great offensive line, has always had a really good running back, and also has one of the best receiving cores, at least last year, the short stint before he got injured is one of the best receiving cores in the league with Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and CeeDee Lamb. So I think Daniel Jones, we could see a nice 
progress, but I don't know if he's going to get to that Dak Prescott level in 2021. And then Ryan Fitzpatrick is awesome and fun, and I love the guy, but he's not going to beat out Dak Prescott, and neither is Jalen Hurts. So Prescott is the quarterback of this theoretical team. Now let's go to running back. So I selected two running backs here. I went with Saquon Barkley. He's coming off of the injury as well. There's a lot of guys coming off of injuries on this team. We're going for upside here, but we know who Saquon Barkley is. We know he is just a home run hitting, talented running back with astronomical athletic upside. Now, how athletic will he be coming off this injury? I think he still can be really, really athletic. And he has shown exceptional ability as a running back in terms of once he gets to that second level. I think there have been some knocks on his vision and decisiveness, and I think that was fair. But granted, offensive lines that he's been running behind have been poor, to say the least. So once he gets into space, his acceleration and his burst, there aren't many humans on the planet who can match that from Saquon Barkley. has good contact balance. He's a good receiver out of the backfield. He can clean up his pass protection a little bit, but I really love the fact that the Giants have this home run type of hit. The Giants really struggled to generate explosive plays with Jason Garrett last year. Saquon Barkley should be able to fix that. So he was my running back one. And then my running back two is somebody that, you know what, I, I'm, I probably may choose somebody else. And it was a really, really hard decision between Ezekiel Elliott, Antonio Gibson, and Miles Sanders. And I ended up going with Miles Sanders because I believe he's just an incredibly elusive back with a different type of skill set to Saquon Barkley, although they were both teammates at Penn State. I think Antonio Gibson could easily slide in here because of his third down value, his obvious third down value. Miles Sanders isn't as natural as Antonio Gibson on third down, and he has dropped the football a little bit. And watching his games through the last year, I saw a couple third down drops that were a little bit frustrating. But I wanted to go with Miles Sanders here because of that just elusive nature and the fact that Sanders ranked top 10 last year in yards after contact. And the numbers were significantly better than Antonio Gibson and Ezekiel Elliott in that department. Antonio Gibson averaged 2.5 yards after contact, Ezekiel Elliott 2.82, and then Miles Sanders 3.38. And Miles Sanders, he also has some home run breakaway type of ability. We saw that against Baltimore where he had nine attempts, rushed for 118 yards, and he just got tracked down. But that was a really, really beautiful 74-yard run that he had. He also had an 82-yard run against the New Orleans Saints. So he has that well within his skill set, and he's very, very talented when he's able to employ that. We saw it against Pittsburgh, too, where you know he was stifled for a lot of the game, but he ended up having two touchdowns and one of those touchdowns was a long run where he was able to get around the edge and use that speed and acceleration to just go up the sideline and outrun one of the best rush defenses in 2020. So Sanders, Elliott, Gibson, I think you can pick any one of those guys. I wanted to get away from Elliott a little bit. I know he's a little bit different than Saquon Barkley, but I wanted to go with someone who may have a little bit more upside as a pass catcher. And I say that knowing full well that Ezekiel Elliott is somebody who has had a lot of success as a pass catcher, but we saw last year he just wasn't as efficient. And there's a lot of reports coming out now that his trainer saying he's going to be revamped and go back to his old form, but the kid's still 25 years old. I mean, he's really, really young. All those things can happen, but why was he so bad last year when you had Tony Pollard? be one of the most efficient running backs in the National Football League running behind that same offensive line. So I ended up going with Miles Sanders, the Philadelphia Eagle there, and I can understand why anybody else would want to go with the other two running backs that we brought up. Then we have the wide receivers, all right? But before we get into the wide receivers, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. 
What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I find the wide receiver position to be interesting in this division. I just look at the Giants in general, adding Kadarius Tony. They had Sterling Shepard, who I feel like is one of the better route runners in the National Football League. Darius Slayton is still a developing young receiver. You look at the Giants wide receiving core, and it's very, very impressive, but probably is second fiddle to the Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallups of the world. You have the Eagles, who are a little bit struggling in that department. They drafted Jalen Rager in the first round last year at a TCU. Didn't necessarily live up to the hype. He was dinged up a lot. They added Devonta Smith, a very, very talented rookie receiver who's probably going to be a thorn in the Giants' side for quite a while. And then Washington has Terry McLaurin, a very, very underrated receiver. They added Diami Brown. They brought in Curtis Samuel. He could be a line of scrimmage type of threat, but we've seen him have a lot of vertical ability last year with a conservative quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater. So there's a lot of good receivers here. So I only had the four to choose from. So I broke it down, X, Z, slot fourth, and by X I mean usually boundary receiver in three-by-one sets, or I should say lone receiver in three-by-one sets on the line of scrimmage typically. The Z is somebody who's going to be off the line of scrimmage, and you can move him around a little bit more. Slot, that's going to be the number three in three-by-one sets, number two in two-by-two sets, wide receiver, so the innermost wide receiver. And the fourth receiver would just be wherever you line up your fourth receiver. If it was a two-by-two set using wide receivers, Terry McLaurin can operate out of the slot. He can go on the sidelines. He's just a really, really talented receiver. That was the fourth receiver, by the way, Terry McLaurin. And uh, I think that's a really, really solid pick. McLaurin, like I said, he's just incredibly underrated in my opinion. And there are already reports of him having a excellent rapport with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, he's six foot, 208 pounds. He's coming off of a season where he was targeted 135 times, caught 93 of them for 1,193 yards and only four touchdowns, which is three less than what he had in 2019. I honestly think that can go up with the presence of a Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's a bit more of a gunslinger, and the presence of Diami Brown, who could stretch defenses vertically. You have Curtis Samuel and his skill set near the line of scrimmage. Terry McLaurin, he's a vertical threat. He's an intermediate threat. You can get him the ball on screens. He's just a really, really talented type of wide receiver. So I think all of these additions that the Washington football team added would lead Terry McLaurin to be a really good option going into his fourth season, or I mean his third season, I'm sorry, in the National Football League and the fourth receiver on this theoretical team that we have constructed here at Big Blue View. So we have him there. Now, the X receiver, I went with somebody who is new to the NFC East, new to the New York Giants, and that's Kenny Galladay. And I mean, we can go back and look at his stats from 2019 before the injured 
2020 season. Look at him from 2018. But you just can't speak enough about the prototypical X type of receiver that Jason Garrett has been looking for for a while. I mean, he had it. Terrell Owens, he had it in Miles Austin. And now he has it in Kenny Galladay. And Kenny Galladay is the type of receiver that you can toss the football up to and he can use that incredible catch radius to high point the ball, bring it into his frame, use physicality, box cornerbacks out, use his athletic ability with his lower body explosiveness to leap up and catch the football. Also think he's better at releasing off the line of scrimmage than he gets credit for. Does a really good job getting his shoulders vertical and away from the defensive back when he's trying to jam. He's very, very fluid in that motion. And his ability to stack really allows him to create even more separation because he's not one of those guys who's just going to burn past people. That's not really necessarily his game in terms of creating separation, but he does a good job with his release creating separation and his nuance within his route running ability. Also with those little subtle push-offs and everything like that, using his body to box out, like I said before. So he is the prototype type of X receiver, and I'm looking forward to see how Jason Garrett utilizes him because throughout the Jason Garrett's time as a Dallas Cowboys play caller, he always had a receiver like Kenny Galladay. He did not have that last year. Darius Slayton tried to fill that role, but that's a little bit of a miscast usage of Darius Slayton, who is a good receiver, but I think even Slayton is going to benefit from the presence of Kenny Galladay. Not as much cloud type of coverage, not as much focus on him. He can focus on lesser type of cornerbacks and allow Kenny Galladay to draw the number one. So Kenny Galladay on this team is the X. The Z is Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper is one of the best route runners in the National Football League. His footwork at the line of scrimmage and up his route stem are excellent. His release is insane. And if you just watch how he's able to sink his hips and explode just like it's effortless, right? Like it's just on a dime. He's able to sink his hips and then he's inside. He's on a comeback route. He's on a quick curl. And when he's able to develop the timing with his quarterback, which we saw when he first went to the Dallas Cowboys with Dak Prescott, him and Dak Prescott got into this groove, into this rhythm, and they were really, really dangerous. Now, Cooper gets injured. He gets dinged up a little bit, but he, when he's healthy, I mean, that is a really, really underrated type of receiver that I feel like doesn't get talked about all that much. I mean, he was with the Raiders. Now he's with Dallas, gets dinged up a little bit. Now they got the shiny new toy in CeeDee Lamb, but you can't really count out someone like a healthy Amari Cooper. I mean, last year with the likes of Garrett Gilbert and Ben DiNucci throwing him the football and then eventually Andy Dalton, he saw 128 targets, caught 92 of them for 1,114 yards and five touchdowns. That can easily go up now, especially if that defense is as atrocious as it was last season I expect the defense to be a little bit better with Dan Quinn I think he's a much better defensive mind much more modern defensive mind than a Mike Nolan so that means there's not going to be as much throwing well into the fourth quarter like we saw so much last year early on in the season for the Dallas Cowboys but I still think Amari Cooper could be primed for a big year as I do this slot receiver CD Lamb I went with CD Lamb second year I mean this guy lined up 666 times in the slot last year, only 61 times out wide. They loved using him there because you give that guy a two-way go, good luck. I mean, he was able to just manipulate zones, finding the voids, did a perfect job running that over route and finding the voided area between a safety dropping into his responsibility and a linebacker dropping into his middle hook responsibility. And then in man coverage, he just sets up his route so well. I mean, Darnay Holmes learned that a little bit when Darnay Holmes was matched up in man, but the Giants typically ran a lot of zone coverage against the Cowboys to try and eliminate C.D. Lamb, but we saw Adrian Colbert take like two penalties by hitting C.D. Lamb 
just a little bit too high right at the catch point when CeeDee Lamb was running those over routes. So it's it's difficult to guard a, a receiver this talented who's this fluid in space out of the slot in three-by-one sets, especially when you can line a number one receiver up on the other side of the line of scrimmage. That number one, you try to trust Meg coverage over there, man, everywhere he goes, put your best guy there, and then you got to focus on whoever the next outermost receiver is, the number one receiver in the three side, on the on the strong side of the offensive formation. You have to focus on that individual as well if he's somebody like a, say, Amari Cooper or a Michael Gallup. I mean, there's just a lot of weapons to pick from, and C.D. Lamb is the closest to the quarterback, and he may be matched up in zone coverage against a linebacker and a safety trying to get to his responsibility. So there's just a lot of mismatches there, and he's just so good in his own right. So I selected him to be the slot receiver here. All right, let's move on to the tight ends real quick. Now, I selected two tight ends and kind of a third in my final thoughts piece. So we'll go over all three of them here. And both of the tight ends that I selected are more receiving type of tight ends. I went with Dallas Goddard and Logan Thomas. Goddard, I feel like, is the clear number one tight end in the division I mean the Cowboys they have Dalton Schultz Blake Jarwin got injured in week one last year Washington drafted I believe John Bates out of Boise they have Logan Thomas who's on this list and the Giants have Evan Ingram who is a unique athlete who was very very mistake prone in 2020 had a lot of errors a lot of different types of errors fumbling the football dropping the football popping the football up in the air uh, just slipping and falling, causing interceptions. It was not a great year for a Pro Bowl tight end, but Evan Ingram didn't make this list. But I did select Dallas Goddard, who, just like I was talking about with CeeDee Lamb, just understands coverages so well, as does Logan Thomas, puts himself into ideal situations away from the covering defender to provide his quarterback an easier target. Now, last year, he was targeted 64 times. He was injured for most of the beginning of the season, came back, Played a little bit with Carson Wentz, played a little bit with Jalen Hurts. He had 46 catches out of those 64 targets for 524 yards and three touchdowns, but he could have had a lot more, man. Carson Wentz was missing him quite often, and then Jalen Hurts was just kind of getting his feet wet with him. And, I mean, look what Nick Sirianni has done with the Colts. Now he's going to be play caller. He's the head guy there. His offense, they loved running 12. They loved running 13 personnel. I mean, how many times did we see last season Mo Alley-Cox have a productive fantasy day or Trey Burton? I mean, just pick the tight end of the Colts. Dallas Goddard is a more talented receiver than all of those individuals, and I think he's primed for a big season. I know Zach Ertz is still there, even though he's kind of almost out the door. It seems like he may not get through training camp with the team, but even if Zach Ertz is present there, Dallas Goddard is a far superior player than Zach Ertz at this point of their career. So I had to go with Dallas Goddard. He's the de facto one. Logan Thomas is the two, and Thomas was targeted a lot last year by Alex Smith and company. I mean, he saw 114 targets, caught 77 of them for 744 yards and six touchdowns. I mean, this is a former quarterback who went to Virginia Tech, then ended up on the Arizona Cardinals, played, I think, a little bit with the Bills, if I'm not mistaken, converted to tight end, learned his role as a tight end, which is really, really difficult to do because this guy's like six foot six, 255 pounds, somewhere around there. But he was able to do all of those things and last season, it really kind of all came together for him. I mean, you had Terry McLaurin, but you didn't have much past that. You know, you had Steven Sims, you had Cam Sims, you had Antonio Gibson, who was a very, very talented running back, but he's a running back. I'm more referring to receivers and tight ends. But Logan Thomas really came through, and he is a really, really tough 
player to cover for safeties because he's so big and physical and he's just faster than linebackers so you gotta look for those hybrid type of defenders like a Jabril Peppers who I felt like did a really good job against Logan Thomas in that first game and in that second game to be honest when he was dropping down and hovering the Giants are kind of built with Patrick Graham's system to guard players like Logan Thomas with the Xavier McKinney's the Logan Ryan's and the Jabril Peppers of the world but still these are two really really good receiving type of tight ends neither of them are excellent at blocking but the way I look at blocking tight ends, there's not a lot of just true blocking tight ends, especially in the NFC East. I mean, you have guys like Lee Smith who have been around the league for a while, Jason Witten who now retired, guys who were really, really good blockers. That's not as common anymore. And if it was, you would see more guys like George Kittle out there just dominating in the blocking phase of things. And they would, even though they don't get the touchdowns and the stats, they would still be talked about, but you don't see it as much. Both these guys are definitely more receivers. But that third tight end that I ended up selecting was actually Kyle Rudolph because he can block a little bit. He's average at it. I don't think he's exceptionally great at it, but I think he's better than what the Giants have currently on their roster, even though Levine Toilolo was built up to be this blocker. Didn't really get to see that all that much last season despite the fact that he played a lot of snaps I thought I thought Kane Smith came along as a blocker a little bit more even though he was used a little bit differently as an H-back and as a puller on the counter tray play but Kyle Rudolph I wanted to select him in there put him in the final thoughts just if they did run 13 personnel because he's just an excellent route runner and he knows how to get open especially in the middle of the field and up the seams understands spacing has excellent spatial awareness so I wanted to give him a nod as well let's move on to the offensive line and I think there's definitely a pick in here that it probably would change and it's the center position and I'll just start there to be honest and that's Nick Gates so I I'm looking for 2021, right? So Jason Kelsey, he's an amazing lineman, has had a great career. He's 32 years old, though. You know, he's not getting any younger. And I looked at Gates, and I was like, this is somebody that I did not expect to play as well as he did in 2020, despite the fact that I didn't think he was even a top 15 center. But just to come in as an undrafted dude in 2018 out of Nebraska, a tackle, Make that switch to center in a truncated offseason and then pick up the position and be able to process it mentally like he did. Give him a lot of credit to do that. Now that he has Rob Sale coming in, I'm hoping that he can develop and take that next step. So that's the way I was thinking. But, you know, Chase Rouye from the Washington football team is probably the pick. I mean, he just earned a huge contract. And I haven't grinded through the film of the Washington football team, but I did watch two games, the two games that they played the Giants, and I didn't see him. And I remember a couple different plays where he was able to hold his own against guys like Dexter Lawrence. And you know what? I look at that and I say, okay, that's a pretty solid guy right there. So I'd probably put him over Nick Gates, but I went with Nick Gates, okay? And I'm going to stick to it in this, but that's definitely somebody that I would have to probably reconsider. So that's the center position. We have Gates in there. Now the tackles. I know we're jumping around a little bit here, but it's okay. I went with Tyron Smith, Dallas left tackle, and Lane Johnson, the Philadelphia Eagles right tackle. Now, Tyron Smith is injured a lot. He played about 100... 150 maybe snaps something along those lines played two games last year and he usually plays around 800 850 snaps misses a game or two here is dinged up plays through injury but he's had back injuries for a while man and when I think of him I think that he's like 35 36 years old he's only 30 years old he's just been in the league forever since 2011 he's pretty he's pretty young still but he's so beat up there's so much mileage on him but I look at the upside, and you look at the other tackles in the division, right? Nobody that really jumps out all that much at you. 
I mean, you had Washington draft Samuel Cosme. They just got rid of their two tackles from last year, Jerron Christian. They got rid of Morgan Moses. So they have a bunch of new guys there. Brought in Charles Leno from the Bears, and I think he's a solid player. But Tyron Smith is top five upside if he can string together a healthy enough season. So I wanted to put him on this team, and I think he's earned that through all of his solid play. But it's just one of those things that you think about, and you're like, this is a a player that may not be able to see the field all that often because he's really struggled with injuries. But that's why I picked the swing tackle. That makes it, you know, the 15th. I picked the swing tackle that we'll go over a little bit. So just in case Tyron Smith gets hurt, this player can step in. All right, so that right tackle, Lane Johnson, one of the best right tackles in the NFL. He, he just is. He's, he's an absolute stud. He's entering his age 31 season. But he's one of the most athletic tackles in the National Football League. Still, I mean, he came out of Oklahoma, was the fourth pick back in 2013, but he can still kick out in the space. He can still locate, drives through people's faces. And I watch a lot of them because, you know what, the Giants play him twice a year. When he's not dinged up, he was dinged up a little bit last year, only played 405 snaps. But you can see how he gets an edge. You can see how he turns his body. You can see how he seals. You can see how he can drive off the line of scrimmage. You can see how he can deuce up to the second level and locate smaller defenders and knock them out of the way. I mean, he's just an absolute stud, and that was an easy choice for me at right tackle there because, I mean, the Giants were not going with the right tackle there. I thought Lyle Collins coming off of his serious injury from last year where he didn't even play and did not play a snap. That's somebody to consider. But since Lane Johnson's in this division, I went with Lane Johnson. And I didn't go with Lyle Collins for the swing tackle position because Tyron Smith is really injury prone. Lyle Collins coming off a serious injury. So I wanted to go with a little bit more of a stable player in terms of health, knock on wood, because the swing tackle that I did choose, a swing offensive lineman, I should say, is Andrew Thomas. I mean, Andrew Thomas, look, as much as I would love to sit here and say, you know, he had a great rookie season, he didn't. His first half of the season was horrendous. Up until, I would say, the Philadelphia game was bad. Tampa Bay was much better, stabilized a lot, and then they faced Vance Joseph and the Arizona Cardinals. Was not great, but neither was the entire offensive line. It felt like they were just totally out-schemed. Remember, they had a coaching change a little bit earlier. DiGuglielmo was their coach. So there was a lot of just turmoil going on. Rob Sale, we hope, is going to stabilize this offensive line. At least that's what I hope. And then you had the Baltimore game, also not great, I would say. But you had a lot of good reps there. You could see there was a confidence about him, and he wasn't making those same terrible, egregious errors that he was making early in the season. So I had him as a swing tackle, mostly for insurance. Tyron Smith, to be honest. I mean, again, Lyle Collins, I think he's a better player than Andrew Thomas right now. But Andrew Thomas, he's 22 years old. He's going to develop. And I think what we saw from him, the upside that we saw from him late in the year is something to kind of hope that he can take into 2021, build upon it with the teaching and the tutelage of Rob Sale and Joe Judge. And then we could see the player that we hoped he could be when we selected him or when the Giants selected him with the fourth overall selection over guys like Tristan Wirfs, Makai Becton, and Jedrick Wills. So that's where I went with Andrew Thomas as that swing lineman, somebody who can be that insurance policy for Tyron Smith. Now, interior offensive line other than the center, this was easy for me. Again, Zach Martin, Brendan Sheriff. Left guard, Zach Martin. Right guard, Brendan Sheriff. They're both 
exceptional guards, two of the better guards in the National Football League. Zach Martin, he was hurt last year. He only played 397 snaps, but they were starting to play him at right tackle. He could just kick wherever you need him. And since he came into the league in 2014, he's been one of the best offensive linemen. I mean, you have Quentin Nelson, who's probably the best guard right now in the National Football League, but Zach Martin is up there when he is healthy. So yeah, I had to go with him at that point at the left guard and the right guard for Brendan Sheriff. I mean, that was another no-brainer for me. I mean, the Giants guards right now, Shane Lemieux, Will Hernandez. Will Hernandez played half the season, and they both gave up over 50 pressures between them in 2020 alone. Lemieux only played half the season. So, I mean, that's not going to be a giant in terms of the guards. I think Brandon Brooks is a player that could certainly be considered, but again, hurt the entire 2020 season coming off of a devastating injury, which seems like it's the theme of a lot of these offensive teams that we're going over in the NFC East. There's a lot of these big-time players, especially in the trenches, that are coming off just terrible injuries. And Brandon Brooks is one of them. Brandon Brooks, when healthy, is exceptional. And then the other Washington football team guard is Eric Flowers. Definitely not going to go with Eric Flowers. Wasn't going to go in that direction, especially when you have Brandon Sheriff to choose from. And then Brandon Brooks, who would have been waiting in the wings despite the fact that he was coming off of serious injury. But you know what? The NFC East gets Eric Flowers back because he spent that one season with the Miami Dolphins. No longer there, obviously. So Zach Martin, Brandon Sheriff, Nick Gates, as the interior offensive lineman and that's the offense right there and I wanted to kind of break that down real quick go through my thoughts as to why I selected who I selected it turns out out of the 15 players not including the 13 personnel of Kyle Rudolph there were four Giants Saquon Barkley Kenny Galladay Nick Gates who's a question mark and Andrew Thomas as the swing tackle there were five Cowboys three Eagles and three Washington football team players so that's the way it broke down. Next week, I'll be releasing a podcast on the defense and why I selected who I selected. You can check these articles out at Big Blue View right now if you would like. Just head on over there. We got a lot of great content coming out, getting all of Giants Nation ready for training camp that starts on July 27th. So I hope you guys enjoyed this. I'm Nicholas Filato. This is Filato on Football. You guys take care. Have a lovely day and stay safe. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.